What's up, everybody? It is episode 18 of RJ Bell's Dream Preview, the NBA edition. It's your boy, Joe Serralo. Joining me, as always, my man, Mackenzie Rivers. And we have a special NBA All-Star Break episode in store for all of you. What's up, everybody? And first, I wanted to ask you, Joe, we were tossing this around a couple hours ago on Straight Out of Vegas. So Anthony Davis is hurt again. Uh, RJ asked me to do this. 148 games in his career due just to injury. That counts 44 unique separate injuries for Anthony Davis. This is obviously the second major one this year. And by the way, that doesn't count the dozens and dozens of games Anthony Davis in his career has been rested or I think you're going to be traded, so we're not going to play you the second half of the season. It's just been one thing after another. So the question becomes, looking at this season, RJ also asked me to do this. They played 21 games together, LeBron and AD. This was the team, this was the duo that ruled the roost, won the NBA championship a couple of years ago. But this season, when Anthony Davis and LeBron are on the court, 11 and 10 straight up, 5 and 16 against the number. So RJ posed this theory. LeBron probably has one more great MVP level season in him. Do you push? Do you say this isn't the year the Russell Westbrook experiment didn't work? We're going to go and put all our eggs in next year's basket. Or, and then that would include shutting down LeBron, shutting down Ooh. Anthony Davis, probably missing the playoffs. I mean, my contention was if I'm LeBron James, I'm 1,500 points away from the great Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the points department. I'm not taking any games off that I don't have to. But let me kick it over to you. AJ and RJ debated this on Straight Out of Vegas. We're the NBA pod. We'll keep it going. What do you think? What do you make of the Lakers? And what do you think they should be prioritizing going forward? Yeah, I mean, look, there's a lot to unpack here. I, I love RJ. I respect a lot of what he has to say. But I couldn't disagree with him anymore uh, about benching LeBron and resting him the rest of the season. Look, are the Lakers going nowhere this year? Yes, that's evident. But are you just going to sit LeBron for the rest of the season? First off, no. Second off, LeBron's not going to allow that. So, so the point is kind of null there. Uh, because let's be honest, LeBron calls the shots wherever LeBron is. And you can argue whether that's a good or a bad thing. I'm indifferent to that. The point is LeBron's not going to allow anyone to sit him. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I, I, I think RJ would 100% agree with you. This is kind of a theoretical question because LeBron James is going to play every game that he can. And he's the GM, the coach. He's the guy that's making yeah. the decisions with the Lakers. But take that out of it. Say LeBron is, is a robot that you can control with your <laughs> with your robot tools. And you're just trying to get the best uh, use out of this thing before the warranty expires. As a Laker, if you're 100% czar of the Lakers, uh, how are you going about it? No, I still hate it. I still hate it, to be honest. I mean, look, let the guy get his reps. This is obviously a lost season in terms of winning. But, you know, you mentioned it, 1,500 points behind the great Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. LeBron is using this season to set and ultimately shatter all sorts of records, you know? Not only is this season, you know, is there potential this season for him to set the record, but playing the rest of this year just sets him up further for next year and the year after that to create that much more cushion between him and the next guy who tries to challenge him for all of his records. I couldn't agree with you more, but that's why as the czar of the Lakers, I'm saying, hey, robot, turn off. I don't care about your records. I'm trying to win championships. I'm trying to build the Lakers brand. LeBron's brand and the Lakers brand are separate and tied, but definitely distinct. Yeah, well, I think part of it as, you know, being czar of the Lakers, as you worded it, 
is keeping LeBron happy. And I think, you know, Fair point. it really, it really does matter to keep your star happy, to keep your main attraction, the leader of your team to keep him happy, I think is very important. Um, but also I really don't see LeBron only having one good year left. I, I mean, you know, how long have people been saying this about Tom Brady, who of course, you know, just retired or at least says he is, I don't know if I buy that, but how many, you know, how many years now have people been saying, oh, well, Tom's got one more in him. I, probably literally about six years, Mackenzie, and he just won a Super Bowl uh, about a year and two weeks ago. So I think LeBron, you know, people might want to say, oh, he's got one good year left. No, I think that's, I think that couldn't be more off. I think LeBron James probably realistically has three to four elite MVP caliber, at least all-star caliber years left in the tank. And I, I mean, legit all-star years. I don't mean he got voted in because it's a popularity contest. I mean, LeBron can perform as a top 10 player in the league for, I firmly believe, three to four more years. So let him do his thing, get his reps in, play competitive ball the rest of the season. And then when the time comes, when this season is officially over, that's when you look ahead to next year. Because winning this year, it's done. It's not going to happen. So yes, right now, should they be planning for next season? Absolutely. But benching LeBron is not it is not how you plan for next season. Start looking at free agents, looking at trades that can be made, but let LeBron play the year out. To me, it makes no sense to bench him. He's got plenty of time left. That's fair. You did say something funny, though. You said, let him get his reps. LeBron James has played more minutes in the NBA, in the Olympics. He's probably played more minutes of real basketball than any man walking the earth. And, oh, no doubt. And uh, it would be interesting. We, we were talking about Magic Johnson in 96. He came back after... Three and a half years off due to his HIV virus. And he came back, he put up 15, 7, and 6 playing power forward for the Lakers. I think LeBron has uh, as many multiple directions he wants to go as he as he slowly but surely gets towards the end. I think he could be a very effective player going forward. I do I'm not sure. Let me let me I haven't actually asked myself this question. If I'm the Lakers czar, <laughs> do I go RJ's route and say this isn't working. Even if Anthony Davis comes back, they're 25% against the spread. They're far worse than expectations with AD and LeBron healthy. I don't know. It, it disappointed me when Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were part, part uh, technically members of the Nets and they didn't go to the bubble. And it'd been about a year and a half since the Achilles and Kyrie had his own problems with the bubble. And my thinking was, you're two of the best players in the world. Get in the tournament. I mean, there's a whole much, bunch of other uh, contingencies with the bubble that that might be legitimate reasons why you don't want to go and subject yourself to that. But you only have maybe 15 shots in the tournament in your whole life. Getting Anthony Davis and LeBron in there, I'll say this. If you're the one seed and you pull the Lakers in, in, in round one, that's a tough draw. So I'll, I'll do the TikTok real quick. They opened the season in July 5-1. to one. There was optimism before the season with Westbrook and everything. By the, by the time the season started in October, they were four to one. Yesterday, before the injury, they were thirty-three to one, and now with Anthony Davis out two weeks, probably more like three to four weeks, they're now forty to one to win the title. That puts them behind the Bulls and the Nuggets, and they are now alone as the thirteenth favorite to win the title. I, I definitely wouldn't want to lay it. I definitely wouldn't want to take one to lay forty, uh, lay four hundred to win ten. I don't know if they're in the tournament. I mean, that's probably one of the better duos in the league. So they got a chance. Yeah. I, I mean, look, and here's the deal with the Lakers right now. It's like, we sit here and I just said, you know, sure as shit. Like, yeah, the season's lost. They're not going anywhere. 
at the end of the day, McKenzie, who the hell knows? They have one of the best basketball players to ever walk the earth. And they have another guy who, when he's healthy, is a top 10 player in the league in Anthony Davis. So at the end of the day, like you said, no one seed wants to draw the eighth seeded Lakers. You know, a, a month, a month and a half ago, we were all sitting here going, well, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals are a great story. No chance in hell they make it to the Super Bowl. No chance in hell they get past Buffalo, Kansas City. Well, I was just at the game Sunday. Last I checked, the Bengals were playing in it. I mean, you never know in sports, right? And that's the beauty of it. And that's also why until the Lakers are actually mathematically eliminated, you can't bench LeBron. And, you know, with the play-in tournament and 10 teams making it to at least the the prelims of the playoffs, they're not going to be mathematically eliminated. So, yeah, benching LeBron just makes no sense to me. It's probably a lost season. Uh, but nothing's definite. And, you know, anything can happen in sports. And uh, it, it just makes no sense to to take one of the best players ever to walk the earth off the court. Especially, you know, it's not like, I mean, yes, this has been in some ways a COVID year, a lot of cancellations and rescheduled games earlier in the year. But it's not a bubble year. It's not a year that started late. You know, it's not like he's going to have a short off season. And it's like, oh, well, maybe, you know, because there's going to be a shorter off season, we bench him, let him have an extra month. We're back to a normal offseason. LeBron's used to, you know, he goes hard all year long. Uh, I don't know too many other guys that are constantly going, you know, 100 miles per hour the way LeBron does. And then he'll have the offseason to rehab. But to to give him that extra time off, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. He's fine. He's in better shape than anyone. I'd be remiss not to bring up that there's precedent for this, that in March of 2019, before Anthony Davis got to the Lakers, LeBron James activated playoff mode. And he said, well, and he said something like this recently. He said, well, for, in order for us to get to the playoffs, I'm going to have to activate playoff mode. Four or five games later, the Lakers weren't playing any better, and he shut it down for the season to rest his, his uh, groin injury. Yesterday, or maybe it was two days ago, LeBron talking about his recent injury said, yeah, it's just like last year. Probably should sit out six to seven weeks. That's the only way rest is going to help me. But we don't have that luxury. I guess RJ's point would be that they do have that luxury because, you know, this is only one season. You want to opt- optimize LeBron's peak. But it's, it's an interesting debate. I honestly see both sides of it. Yeah, no, I, I definitely do as well. I just, you know, I, I never agree with it. These guys are professional athletes. You know, no one in the world puts more money and more time into their body than probably two guys, LeBron James and Tom Brady. And, uh, and for that reason, I have, I have no reason to believe LeBron only has a year left. I think he's got plenty in the tank and I think he's going to ride this one out until, uh, until the, uh, the Lakers are mathematically eliminated or, you know, actually eliminated. Well, LeBron James has won five straight all-star games, all of which he's been the captain of his own team. And he is currently a five and a half point favorite hosting team, Kevin Durant. So that's the matchup we have. Uh, but before we get into it, I see you have uh, some three-pointer odds. Do you have any ideas on on, uh, on some of the fun contests on Saturday before we get to the big game? The big game. The other game. <laughs> this is the stuff I look most forward to, right? I, I'm just going to be honest with everyone. I hate all-star games. Used to love the baseball one and only the baseball one. And now it's they're all kind of a joke. Uh, but this is the stuff that people care about, right? It's the uh, three-point contest, the dunk contest, the home run derby, right? It's all the extras, the fun stuff leading up to each sport's respective all-star game. So let's talk about betting these fun events, the three-point contest. Right now, you've got your favorite, Fred Van Fleet, who's also making his all-star debut. He's at 4-1. to one. You have Patty Mills, plus 425. Trey Young, also plus 425. Luke Kennard, plus 550. Desmond Bain, 6-1. to one. 
Zach Levine plus 750, CJ McCollum at 10 to 1, and how about a big guy, Carl Anthony Towns at 14 to 1. Mackenzie, where's your value there? Who are you leaning towards? You're going to show the big guy some love as the underdog. If you need me to repeat any of those, let me know as well. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Here's what the big guy has in his favor. Carl Anthony Towns couldn't clear a phone book when he takes his three-pointer. He just doesn't jump at all. When you have to jump or not jump 30 times in a three-point contest, that could be helpful. That said, these these guys are all sharpshooting guards. Carol Anthony Town is a lumbering center. The one guy I can immediately scratch off the list is Zach Levine because talk about jumping. He gets about 40 inches off the ground. I think he'll be <laughs> he'll be uh tired by the time that fifth rack comes about. So he's gonna run out of time. Trey Young is interesting. Steph Curry was the favorite last year, and he was just by far the best shooter. So it wasn't surprising that he ended up winning it. But I think Carl Anthony Towns, I'm going to say the set shot theory at 14 to 1 provides the best value for a fun play. If he loses in the round one, you can at me at Mac and Rivers. I'll, uh, I'll say sorry. All right. You're going with the big guy. I, I look, I, I love the Carl Anthony Towns pick. It's the fun pick. It, it's, you know, 14 to 1. Why the hell not? Right. I mean, I would hope no one's betting the bank on the three point contest. So if you're looking for a little sprinkle, he's the guy to sprinkle on. But if you're looking seriously to, you know, to analyze these guys, we talk about Steph winning it last year. It's actually really rare that a star player comes out and wins the three-point contest. It's, it's usually, you know, the Jason Caponos, right? Right? The underdogs, the, the guys who, who don't get a ton of run in big games. But, you know, in practice, man, they're practice shooters. I'm going to go with a guy who I think has good value, is a good game performer, but I think was made for this contest. I'm going with Desmond Bain, the young sensation out of Memphis. Obviously, he's overshadowed down there by John Morant, but he has been crucial to the Grizzlies' success this season. When Memphis went on that incredible torrid hot streak when Ja was injured uh, earlier this year, Desmond Bain was the one orchestrating that winning streak. And if you just watch his shot, this guy is just so smooth. I think the key in a contest like this is consistency and his mechanics just don't differ. He has one of the just smoothest, sweetest shots to watch. And at six to one, I really like his odds in this one. You know, he's a middle of the pack guy. I wouldn't go a four to one like Van Fleet. Patty Mills at plus 425 was the other guy I'm looking at, but it's close in my eyes between Mills and Bain. And I'm going to go with the value with Desmond Bain. You bring up a good point. I mean, think about it. I remember when in high school when when the best shooter in our in our uh, in our high school team got to go downtown and do the three point contest, and he won. He got to go down to Springfield, Illinois, and do that. It's not a guy named Manier. Shout out Manier, doing big things. But he had a lot extra practice time, if you know what I mean, around the three point line, where he was kind of concerned about that. Where some of us were trying to get ready for the you know Chicago playoffs. After Steph Curry last year, we got Buddy Heald. Joe Harris, a younger Devin Booker, not really an all-star, Gordon, Thomas, and we had Curry again, Bellinelli, James Jones before that, Daquan Cook. So you bring up some good points. The uh, the scrub factor is strong, is strong. By the way, Kevin Love won this, so there is a precedent for a uh, set shooting big man to take it home. Yeah, Dirk, Dirk too, I believe, about 16 years ago. Yeah, doesn't jump at all in a shot, good point. <laughs> yeah, the only guy we're missing who doesn't jump is... Uh... 
the old Cleveland Cavaliers legends, Adrunas Ilgauskas. That was my right, first all-star. exposure. <laughs> that was my first exposure as a young kid to the set shot. I remember watching him being like, whoa, you don't have to jump when you shoot? I remember Dan Levertard talking about it during the heat run when they had the heat index on ESPN. He was like, I think somebody abducted Ilgauskas because he hadn't played in a while. And I just, I, I always remember that. It cracked me up. I think somebody abducted him just because he's so Eastern European. It's like, that's what would happen. You know? <laughs> yeah. Right. He ends up in taken four. <laughs> exactly. Right. But yeah, so I'm going with Bain and, and look, you know, by, by no means uh, am I calling, and I don't think McKenzie is calling Desmond Bain a scrub. Obviously, you know, we're talking about like Capono and Daquan Cook and, you know, all those guys from back yeah, in the thank day. Thank you. No, no. Desmond Bain is, is a legit player. Thank you for that correction. He, he's yeah. been as crucial as anyone to the Grizzlies' success this year. But I think, you know, just because of the fact that he's probably, I don't know, one of the most, one of the rather the least known guys on this list. I mean, you can argue that Luke Kennard is more of a well-known guy sure, than Desmond yeah. Bain. Not better, but more, but more well-known exactly from his college days. You know, I think that Bain at 6-1, to one, the fact that he's not a big name is uh, is hurting his value. Or, you know, for betters, making his value better. Um, but yeah, I really like that pick here. Let's take a look at the dunk contest. I mean, this used to be appointment television. In recent years, I don't know, maybe it's just that I'm older. I, I miss the Nate Robinson, Dwight Howard, Aaron Gordon dunk contests. But uh, I think that this one has a lot of potential, McKenzie. You hit the nail on the head. The dunk contest used to be something like on Friday night. I'd be like sitting in my bed thinking, what is Vince Carter going to do tomorrow? Jason Richardson did like behind the back, between the legs the other way. And I'm like, man, no one's ever done that. And Zach Levine did some stuff, and so did Aaron Gordon. But it's just there's there's not that much you can do, especially when you look at what people are doing that only do dunks. That is like dunk specialists. They're doing 720s. They're doing backflips. So it's just – honestly, I think the dunk contest would gain a lot of traction, a lot more traction, be a lot better – if it if there was no tosses, no gimmicks, and you had maybe you had, you had one miss attempt where people are just going out and showing what they would do, what like like Jordan, like like Dr. J, they're saying, hey, this is what I can do. I could do it all day. I could do it in a layup line, but you know, watch me work. That was more impressive than you know a band coming out or all this production. So I don't see any value here. I'm not betting it, and I'm not watching it. I'm in protest for the dunk contest because <laughs> the the 15 tries to do something that you know an and one kid does, you know, around the corner every other Friday. It's just it's not worth it, and it's not fun. Well, I actually so I agree with one of your points big time, and I disagree with another. I disagree on the value point. I actually think that there is tremendous value here, and I'll get into it in a minute when I lay out the odds for the four contestants. But I agree a thousand percent. The key, in my opinion, there are two keys and you hit the nail on the head with one of them. Only allow one missed attempt. You know, it would be ridiculous to say you're not allowed a single miss, right? That's not realistic, but it should be one missed attempt and two misses. You're done. And then guys would stop trying these crazy tosses off the side of the backboard. And, you know, just like all the theatrics. I mean, look, some theatrics are great. Nate jumping over Dwight with the kryptonite cape and all that fantastic that was amazing television i'll take with me for the rest of my life but some of these other dunks they're really impressive but it's like by the time a guy gets it on his fourth or fifth try it's like all right well i just sat around and watched you miss that for the past two minutes so it really takes away from how impressive that dunk actually is so i agree one miss and then the other thing that i think would help drastically 
is that the dunk contest needs more star power. Nate Robinson, in addition to being a 5'7 guy who could jump out the gym, Nate Robinson was a pretty good basketball player. Dwight Howard was an all-NBA player year after year when he was doing this, you know? Michael did this. Dr. J did this. Like, Vince Carter. These guys were studs. You had Dominique Wilkins. I I mean, the best players in basketball did the dunk contest. And and that's what it's missing. You know, you look at the guys in it right now, and there are some young, promising players in this. Jalen Green was a top draft pick. Obi Toppin for the Knicks, top draft pick. Cole Anthony, top draft pick. And then Juan Toscano-Anderson. It's like, yeah, three of those guys were, you know, really high first round draft picks and they have promise and potential, but there's no stars. There's no Giannis. There's no LeBron. And I know LeBron is, you know, at this point a little old, but younger LeBron would have made this, you know, I mean, you would have been rivaling the Super Bowl in terms of ratings to see younger LeBron in the dunk contest. Like it needs more star power again. I've actually seen LeBron in a dunk contest. He went up against Jalen Green in high school and he lost a a very well- contested dunk contest oh wow Anthony Simons won this dunk contest last year and I completely agree with you on the star power point Anthony Simons is not this but here's one thing redeeming about last year's dunk contest he shot 47 percent from three the last four games he's shooting 41 percent he's a young guy only 22 years old he may be Anthony Simons of the Blazers the first player ever, it's never been done before, to win the dunk contest, and one day down the road, he might win that three-point contest. So that's a little nugget Ooh. for you. Yeah, that's, that's a good, interesting little nugget right there. But, you know, again, look, and he's had a good year, and he's had some games this year. Recently, yeah, he's turning, he's coming on. Yeah, no, he's definitely had some incredible games this season. But again, is that a name that you look and you're like, oh my God, he's in the dunk contest, I can't wait? You know, he, he's a great dunker, no doubt about it, but... It just no one ever heard of him before last year. This is the first year he's like really played. Exactly, exactly. So let's talk odds for this contest. You've got Jalen Green, he's the favorite, plus 130. Obi Toppin, plus 210. Cole Anthony, plus 350. The uh, New York. Can he has anyone seen him dunk? I've never seen him dunk. Uh, My man, he's from Queens. Come on, you know how us New Yorkers do it. All right, I'll give it to him. (laughs) And then Juan Toscano Anderson out in Golden State, plus 600, six to one. He's the big dog. To me, the value is Cole Anthony at plus 350. He's the little guy. We haven't seen him dunk a lot in game and whatnot. I've never seen him. So you know, you know he's going to come out there and he's going to make us all sit back and go, whoa, he just did that. So that's the value to me, plus 350 on him. It makes sense to me. I think that the league will want Jalen Green to win. That's probably why he's favored, not because he's a superior dunker to Obi Toppin, Cole Anthony, or Juan Toscano-Anderson. Cole Anthony makes sense to me if if you've seen him dunk, if you believe in it, because he is kind of a name out of North Carolina, the son of an NBA player. He has some buzz. If he does win it, that would be a cool story. Probably the shortest guy since Nate Robinson. I'm not sure if he's enough of a scrub. Juan Toscano Anderson has gotten plenty of, plenty of practice time throwing down some dunks. Cole Anthony, because of the state of the magic, is actually a starter. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, you've got Green and Anthony who are starters. Toppin has gotten some run. It's been on and off, was uh, was more on earlier in the year. But that's my pick. So Anthony, to me, is the best value here at plus 350. Is that your best bet, your best pick? And I'm about to give a pizza bet. I can't call it a best bet, but it is something I like. I will bet, have some fun with. Is this your best bet of All-Star Weekend? Or, or would you say the three-point contest, you see more value in uh, Desmond Bain? Uh, I would say that my best bet of the weekend is... Or is it coming up? Uh, have we not heard it yet? 
is still coming up. It's still coming up for the game itself. But Anthony, best value for the dunk contest. But my, my pick is still Obi at plus 210. I think I, I just think plain and simple, he's the best dunker. He's one of those 6'9 guys that if the rim was 13 feet, he'd still be throwing down. So I, I just, I think what Obi does is absolutely insane. He's my pick to win it. Okay, so he, he th- you think he's the most likely to win it, Cole Anthony, a little bit more value? Yes. All right, well, I'm just going to go into my best bet. You mentioned it. It's not the 1972 All-Star game where Sandy Koufax once a year, or I don't even know if he was still playing back then, but you know what I mean. You've heard the <laughs> lore of what the All-Star baseball game used to mean. In 2001, when I was a kid and uh, the East came back by 20 in the fourth quarter and hit a buzzer beater to beat the West 111-110, the All-Star game at that point to me meant something. It was really cool. They would all wear their actual jerseys, uh, white and dark. And it just, it was, it was, I didn't know probably that everybody had already written it off, but as an 11 year old kid, I'm like, this is magical. This is, you know, all my stars together. That is faded a lot that, I mean, I think it started in 2017 when they just stopped playing any kind of real basketball. However, the last three, the last five years, they've chosen a captain system. LeBron James has been the captain versus someone else. Sometimes Steph Curry, sometimes Giannis, this time KD. So far he's won every game. In the last three years, they've done the ELO system. So let me just break down the format real quick in case you're not familiar. The first three quarters all start 0-0. They're played to 12 minutes, and there's a winner for each quarter. You can bet the winner, you can, uh, and the winner also has a certain charity that they donate to that you know is rooting for them. In the fourth quarter, they set a target score. What that is is whoever's winning the first three quarters add all up their add up their individual scores. You add 24 points. Last year, it was because of Kobe. They've kept it this year. It's 24 points. So whoever's winning, let's say they have 140 points. The losing team is 130 points. The target score is then 164, 24 points higher than the leading score. Why do they do this? It guarantees a buzzer beater. It guarantees the way to win is to eventually score that magical bucket. So it's always drama at the end. Even if you're up 10, the other team's just 111-0 run from getting it done. That said, looking at the rosters here, there's one team in this. This is going opened at five. It's five and a half in some spots. It's six in some spots. It's only going up. So if you agree with me and you like Team LeBron to get it done, I would bet this early. Might be six and a half or seven by the time it's game time. Let's just break down the rosters. Giannis Antetokounmpo is the best possible all-star player because what he's doing, nobody wants to even be in the same screenshot as they just get out the way Giannis Antetokounmpo running down the lane kind of like LeBron back in the day when he was the freight train of freight trains is just the kind of player Shaq used to be like this they're just going to give him 25 30 points with no contest because it's an all-star game and he has sharp elbows then you look at Steph Curry a guy that can hit 10 threes I'm going to come back to uh something he did that irked me hitting threes in last year's contest DeMar DeRozan who's putting up Wilt Chamberlain numbers right now LeBron who's motivated Because think about this, Kevin Durant's picking a team that he's not going to play with, that he's not going to be really associated with. He's kind of picking guys to be in his locker room with. LeBron James has hit a game winner in the All-Star game, ended up winning a championship. He feels this is part of that, I want to win this MVP, I want to win the league MVP, and I want to win the finals MVP. It's an important leg in the season for LeBron, and he's shown it, getting it done the last five years. I think he gets it done again. Kevin Durant's team, Embiid, not really an all-star player. Morant, excellent. 
but more of a guy that you want in a tight game that's going to hit that floater to win it. Not really a guy that's going to hit a bunch of threes or is going to hit a lot of open dunks. Same thing with Jason Tatum. Andrew Wiggins, I've talked about it on this pod. It's just not the caliber of a LeBron James, DeMar DeRozan, Giannis. It's just not he's – a, he's, a, he's a B player versus – and this is an A game. So, yeah, talent-wise, this is very simple handicap. The better team isn't giving enough points. Even with the ELO system, we have we've seen a total of 320 – and it's too many. It's it's too much of a difference for the points to account for. Back to the total. It's exactly where it was last year. However, last year, right before the game, it shot up five points. It's 320, 320 and a half in some spots. Shop around. I learned this lesson last year. I was watching the total tick, 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 tick. And I decided that the first half, the skew was too much. 180 out of 320 points in the first half. So I was watching it tick up. Slammed for a couple hundred bucks under 179 and a half. I was feeling great after the first quarter. Great three, 11 minutes into the second quarter. And then 13 points are scored in 50 seconds. Okay, there's 10 seconds left. I have two and a half. Not only did Damian Lillard hit a half court shot, but three seconds later, Steph Curry, I have two and a half points to give. Dribble, dribble, half-court shot, bucket. I can't believe it. I'm a loser. I lost that bet. But I learned. I learned. I was talking to Fezzik that Monday. I said, I made one all-star bet. I couldn't believe it. What a bad beat. And he's like, oh, what do you mean? You won, right? I'm like, no, I had the under. He's like, well, yeah, well, I don't, I don't care if you had the over or the under. You should have won that game. I'm like, what do you mean? At the tip-off, there was enough variation where you could have got under- 180 and a half or one under 179 and a half. I was kind of impatient. I didn't wait for the tip off. These numbers, it's an important lesson. Anytime there's a national televised game, that total generally, unless there's a big reason like a snowstorm in football, is going up. If I would have waited an extra two hours and not bet at 179 and a half, but looked around and got a 180 and a half, that would have been a winner. And exactly the same thing was true in the reverse. There were still 179 and a half, even at tip, you could have bet over. And you could have been a winner. So Fezzik schooled me once again. Do your shopping, boys and girls. Even in these contests that don't seem to mean anything to anybody, they mean something to you in your pocketbook. So follow basic pra- uh, follow basic strategy. Keep discipline. And don't bet under until right before tip-off. And that's why right now, Mackenzie, my pizza bet for this episode is the over. I actually found it at 319 and a half. Bet it now. Bet it now. And, and I did, I did it right before we started recording over three nineteen and a half. and a half. Look, when you look at these rosters, I agree with you completely, by the way, I also took team LeBron minus five and a half. Just the biggest thing that, you know, stands out to me is you pick three players from LeBron starting five, three from Durant's LeBron, Steph, Giannis. All right. Take three players from Durant starting five. And look, these guys are great. I'm not knocking them, but Andrew Wiggins, Trey Young, Jason Tatum. I mean, come on. Is this really going to be a contest here? I think Team LeBron wins. I think they win in a bloodbath. I think that the saving grace here for the over, if things are tight late, could be a little pushback, a little comeback from Team Durant in the fourth quarter because of the ELO rule. I think that they can make it a tight one, a fun one, but it's going to be a super high-scoring game. Uh, Ultimately, I do think Team LeBron is going to cover, but I find the most value in this one at over 319 and a half. I mean, just look at the construction of these rosters, specifically Team LeBron's. 
I mean, you just have shooters everywhere. Steph, uh, DeRozan, looking at the bench, Jimmy, Mitchell, Van Fleet. I think Van Fleet's a guy that can have a huge game. This means something to him. It's his first all-star appearance. I think he can go off for 30 easily. Uh, I mean, other guys in this team, the chemistry that this team has, you've got LeBron playing with Chris Paul. Um, you know, Luke is on this team. I haven't even mentioned him. Darius Garland's a young guy who this means something for. It's his debut. He might want to go off and, you know, take some threes. I just think it's going to be a high scoring game. And then part of the reason to back up, to back up your bet on LeBron team, uh, minus five and a half is, you know, I mentioned all those guys that are great scoring threats on team LeBron team Durant got stuck with the big guys. They got stuck with, you know, Rudy Gobert, who is just not an all-star game player, right? Uh, they got stuck with, I mean, other, other guys, again, I feel bad. Despite what Kevin Durant says, size and defense are actually not very prioritized in all-star basketball. Yeah, and I mean, I feel awful, like, knocking these guys because they're amazing ball players. but, like, Joel Embiid is not built for the all-star game. Jason Tatum's three-point shooting leaves something to be desired at times. Same with a guy like LaMelo Ball, you know? I mean, this is just, it's a really good team if you're playing actual competitive basketball, but if you're playing the NBA all-star game, it's like they're not constructed well at all. I just thought of something. We always, we focus on the starters. They play the most minutes, but more than any other NBA game, Bench players are going to play, you know, 45% of these minutes. And look at the guys that I know are just not built to score a bunch of points, score very quickly, do anything positive for an all-star type scenario. Rudy Gobert, who you mentioned. DeJounte Murray, another point guard that can't shoot on Team Durant or not shoot great. Draymond Green. You can't play defensive player of the year basketball uh, in the second quarter of an all-star game and and people care. They'll just pass to somebody else. Like, what, what is he doing? I'll throw it over there. By the way, I, I do want to quickly make a make a notice uh, that each of our biggest all-star snubs got in as the two injury replacements, or two of the three, rather. Well, yeah, because they heard us. They've been listening. Absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, and both of those guys, you know, they're all-stars. They're deserving of being there. They're not incredible scoring threats, LaMelo and DeJounte Murray, you know? And they're, and they're on the same team. It's like, just the construction of that roster is not meant to uh to put up a ton of points they're gonna have a fun time in the locker room play a bunch of you know drake and it's gonna be a good time kevin durant you know picked a good hang team lebron's gonna win their sixth game in a row yeah absolutely by the way uh last little bonus bet if you will i don't know uh what exactly the line is yet in the first quarter but if it's you know if the game is five and a half i'd imagine the first quarter is probably around two two and a half take team lebron i mean Giannis, steph LeBron, DeMar out the gate uh, against Wiggins and, and Tatum and, you know, Trey Young. Take Team LeBron first quarter. I agree with that. And think about it. You can set, uh, you know, a pace where you're up 15, 20 points, and then the second, third, and fourth quarters become a lot more manageable. So, yeah, I think there is priority for Team LeBron. If they're motivated, like I think, to make it six in a row, to set to put their foot on the on the gas right away. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Any any other nuggets, any other best bets you like uh, All-Star weekend McKenzie? No, I'm going to stick with Team LeBron minus 5 and a half. I, I've already seen it tick to minus 6. And I'm going to go Cat Carl Anthony Towns, the Kentucky guy, is going to be the second shooter, second big man that doesn't jump joining Kevin Love at 14 to 1. That's a pizza bet. Maybe a little pit, bigger pizza bet on the game, but either way it's just going to be a fun weekend and Monday, we're going to be playing uh, Book It, Bro. We're going to be stealing, you know, good writers borrow from other, write, other writers, great writers steal outright. 
we're gonna be we're gonna be stealing Book It Bro from straight out of Vegas, which says these are the teams I want to bet on for the rest of the season, betting on their future odds, and we're gonna pick one team that I want to fade. I will lay it. I will lay eight thousand or eight hundred to win a hundred that the Nets aren't gonna win it. For example, with you know, just throwing out an example, we're gonna play that on Monday because Monday will be looking towards the second half of the season, football over, gearing down. I'm excited this weekend. This is the first weekend I can remember. I don't have shit to do. So I am going to be gearing into the NBA in a way like I haven't been able to. I've been kind of building tools throughout the season uh, as I go, but now I've seen what works, what doesn't work. I'll be able to fine tune, and I can't wait Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, looking out NBA, check it out. My best bets have been on a losing streak, can't lie, but gearing down, can't wait for next week, pick it back up again. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. Best bets have been rough. Admittedly, I think I've been focusing too much on football the past month, month and a half. But we've got nothing but hoops for the final two-month stretch of the regular season here, then playoffs. Uh, I, I'm looking forward. I got some big takes uh, for Monday's episode. So we'll see you then. But for episode 18 of the NBA edition of RJ Bell's Dream Preview, I'm Joe Serralo. That's my guy, Mackenzie Rivers. We'll see you on Monday. <laughs>